Amen. If you got a Bible tonight, you can take it and turn with me to page, not page, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In my Bible, that's 400, that's 1,560. While you're turning there, this is an important announcement. Please announce, ladies, we need to have desserts by the for, to the church by Friday, no later than noon. We also need, that's not important, diabetic friend, friendly desserts, so sugar-free. If you can bring a dessert, would you let Miss Jan know, if you don't mind? Is that who's over it or... or and let Miss Jan know. All right. If you got your Bible and you're looking with me, I want us to look at a verse starting at verse 7. Kind of looking this morning. God wants to display His glory, His presence through and in our lives. And we've all heard the start. How many of you want Jesus to live in your heart? Well, we say that. <laughs> but God is so determined to let Jesus live in our heart, that he goes about it in ways that most of us aren't willing to participate in. But I want you to look here. In verse 7, Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's talking about clay pots, and it even means fragile clay pots, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For you are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, that's that clay pot, that flesh, fleshly vessel, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested or revealed in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Father, in the name of Jesus tonight, we want to thank you that in your great wisdom and in your mercy you chose to dwell in us, to live in us, that you fill us with the Spirit of Christ. You tell us in your word that Christ in us is the hope of glory according to Paul. And Lord, tonight as we look and we see that you chose to put your presence, the life of Christ, in clay pots, just earthen vessels like us, normal, common people, so that people will see the power of God and not us. Lord, help us to see that tonight and learn how you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. You look here with me, we all want to experience the life of Christ in our life, amen? But guys, if you look at here, we don't understand always what it takes and what is going to have to happen to us. If you look at those last two verses we read, it says, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Friends, I don't know about you, if you ain't figured this out yet, if you're not willing to experience and embrace and accept the dying of the Lord Jesus, you're never going to experience the living life of the Lord Jesus in your life. No cross, no resurrection. Before there can be a resurrection of the power of God's resurrection in your life, there's got to be a power of the cross in your life. There has to be a dying of the old self before there can be a revival and a, a resurrection of the new life. And guys, we talk about we want Jesus to be manifested in our life 
But many of us don't want our life to change. (laughs) We just want Jesus to be added to the life we're already enjoying. When for Christ to truly be able to live in us, there's a lot of things that are hindering that, that has to die. And look at what he says in that verse again and focus at it with me. Always, not sometimes, not most of the times, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our body. Look at what Paul said. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also be manifested in your mortal flesh. When you go back up to verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure. What is that treasure? That treasure is the life of Christ in us. It's unbelievable that the life of Christ would want to live in me or you. And guys, listen, God did it that way because when he sees, people see us, what makes them realize that Jesus is in us is the life must manifest, it must reveal itself. Now, I want you to understand something. It's not hard to make someone think, if you follow Jesus, who wouldn't follow Jesus that's going to give you a new car? It's going to give you a great job. That's going to make you always healthy. That's going to make you always wealthy. That if you just got enough faith, everything's going to always be hunky-dory. You're going to live ever, ever after if you just let Jesus live in your heart. But guys, listen. Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus like that? But I'm going to tell you, the things that make people believe that Christ is really in you is that when life isn't going the way it should, that when life is difficult, I mean, it's easy to praise Jesus when you win and everything's working your way. But I'm going to tell you, the person who has got the life of Christ working in him also first has had the death of Christ working in him. Friends, listen. It says right here, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What people need to see is What's going on in our life, the manifestation of Christ-likeness and his power and his presence being manifested in our life cannot be manufactured by us. It's not by us. It's totally of him. And for them to believe that, it's not always going to be believable when everything's going wonderful. So what does Paul do? What does God remind us of through Paul's writing? Look at this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. How many of you want to be hard-pressed? But guys, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be seasons in your life. If you're serious about having the life of Christ made real in you, if you want to really be an earthen vessel that has the treasure of Christ's life in you, there's going to be times where that fragile clay pot is going to be placed in places where the only thing that can keep it from being crushed is God. And people will look at you and they'll see you being hard-pressed from every side, and they'll say, there's no way that person could survive that unless this Jesus is real. And so what does he do? Because he wants to manifest the living life of Christ, he teaches us how to die in Christ. And friends, listen to what he says right there. He says that we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. How many of you can identify with that? That there's been times in your life where you said, Lord, I can't take anymore. There's this saying that God won't put more on you than you can handle. You ever heard that? That's a lie from the pit of hell. God will put stuff on you much you can't handle, for you'll have to handle it in Him. Let me show you what I'm talking about. 
Flip a few pages back to page to chapter 1. Listen to what Paul says in verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us. Now, how many of you has ever had trouble come to you? Trouble to the point that you was hard-pressed on every side, that you believed if this trouble got any harder, it was going to crush you. Because listen to what Paul says in verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, that we despaired even of life. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this trouble that came to us, this trouble which came out of nowhere in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. He said, it burdened us beyond our ability to comprehend. You couldn't even measure it, the weight of this burden. It was above our strength to the point that we despaired even of our life. Paul said, we thought we were going to die. You ever had that happen? Because that's how you die in Christ. People's life who's never experienced difficulty, who's never had to walk through the fire, they don't know about Jesus to the degree that the person who knows that he can find you in the bottom of the valley in the lowest of darkness place and bring you through it to the other side. But friends, while you're in that valley, you're feeling like the, you're being crushed. You feel like you're not going to survive. Listen to what Paul goes on and says. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? Look at verse 9. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know what I've found? God is able to deliver us, my friend. Look at what he says in verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Now flip back where we were. Paul said, if you want to be this earthen vessel in verse 7 that's experienced the excellence of the power that is God in us, he said there's going to be times where you're hard pressed from every side, but take courage because you have Christ, you're going to be dying to a degree in Christ, but you're going to be given life in Christ. He says you're not crushed. How many of you have ever been perplexed? That word perplexed is a word that, you know, to be perplexed is to kind of be confused. You ever had something happen, you make you scratch your head? You're wondering, why is this happening? Lord, this doesn't make sense. I didn't expect this. This is not what I was thinking you was going to do with me, Lord. And Lord, I, I, I'm kind of perplexed. But guess what? If Jesus is in you, you are going to find times if you follow him where you're perplexed. But what he put in you, even though the situations around you may make you feel like you're being crushed, like you're being hard-pressed. It may have you, in, but you're not going to be in despair. Have you ever heard of the saying that God can put in us the peace beyond understanding? Even in times when life is perplexing to the point that you feel like you are being pressed upon from every side and you can't figure out why it's happening. You don't know what God would allow it to happen and you're perplexed, but you're not in despair. You know why? Because there's a peace that only God can give you. That's what comes from the life of Christ in us. And friends, guess what happens when people see that? They don't see a religious person. They don't see somebody who they can say, oh, well, of course he's following Jesus. He's got a nice big house. He's got a wonderful job. He's got a beautiful spouse. He's got great kids. He's got, I'd follow that Jesus too. 
But when life is going in a direction that doesn't make sense, that perplexes everyone who's looking at you, and they can look at you and tell that I'm not in despair. I might be troubled, but I'm okay. Why? Because the life of Christ is in us. The hope of glory. Listen, not only that, but look at what he says. Not only did he say that there's going to be times when you're hard-pressed from every side, you're going to be perplexed, but you won't be in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Man, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but the Bible says everybody who desires to live in Christ Jesus, godly in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Friends, if you ain't been persecuted, it's because you ain't been standing up for Jesus very much. If you stand up for Jesus, if you stand up for righteousness, if you preach and promote the truth of the Word of God, there's going to be people not like you. There's going to be talk about you. But God says when they persecute us, we are blessed because they're doing it because of the things of Christ. Guess what? The presence of Christ in you is enough when it's being manifested and God's being able to show Himself through you to make some people in America disdain you like we talked about this morning to despise you. There are people in places, even within our area, much less in some of these four places that we wouldn't even recognize as America, that would look at us tonight as fanatics and crazy people, that we would believe what we believe. But guys, listen. He said we will be persecuted, but we'll never be forsaken. I don't know about you, but how many of you ever had a good friend Turn on you, hurt you. But how many's ever had Jesus turn on you? How many's ever had Jesus forsake you? You see, the life of Christ in you never leaves you. It's with you. And that's where that peace beyond understanding, that's why you might be hard-pressed, but you'll never be crushed. You might be perplexed, but you never can be in despair. Because that life of Christ keeps giving you the blessings that's in this delicate, fragile clay pot. I don't know about you, but without Jesus, my old body would have given up on this journey a long time ago. There's so many times I'd have quit the ministry if Jesus wasn't in me. I argue with him. Christ, leave me alone. I want to go. I don't want to be back there no more. I want to go somewhere else, Jesus. But you know what he says? You can't go nowhere because I'm with you. And I'm going to be with you. You ever tried to get away from God? The most miserable person in this room right now ain't the person who's lost. It's the person who is saved who is not going in the direction Jesus wants him to go. And if you're saved, the further you get away from Jesus, the more miserable you get. But I can promise you one thing. You can never get so far away from Jesus that you'll be forsaken. Because he doesn't forsake his children. And friends, he said, you're going to be persecuted, but you'll never be forsaken. Jesus didn't decide to move in and live in you one day and birth you and give you born-again status put spiritual life in you, and then one day say, well, I'm kind of disappointed in him. No more spiritual life for him. I don't know about you. If you ever get born, you're born. You can't unborn me. I've done been on earth for 57 years. No matter what you do, you can kill me, but I'll still be. I have made a mark. Amen? And guess what? When God puts his spirit in you, you can't undo that. You've been born again. You were spiritually dead. Now you've been made spiritually alive. He adopted you. You're his child. He will not forsake you. And guess what? Even when people persecute you, he doesn't. He stands with you. And friends, sometimes it feels like you're literally dying because of Jesus. But because you're willing to die for Jesus, Jesus is willing to make his life made real in you. Like that clay pot 
that's containing that treasure. And then listen to the last thing he says. Struck down but not destroyed. I don't know about you, but I've been knocked down a time or two. I've been knocked down and said, I ain't going to make it. I don't think I'm going to get up this time. I think this is the end. But you know what Jesus keeps doing? He keeps keeping me from being destroyed. There are some people that probably would have at times wished they could have knocked some of us out, destroyed us. But I don't know about y'all. If the devil had his way, there's not anybody in this room that loves Jesus. He wouldn't have destroyed a long time ago. And the devil comes around, and the devil carries a pretty good punch. He's a Goliath. Can I get an amen? And the Goliath can knock you down. But you know what I found? The life of Jesus won't let you stay down. The life of Christ, even though you feel like you're dead, even though you feel like you're dying, that life in you won't let you stay down, and you just keep getting back up. You can't be destroyed. I'm here to tell you that I believe in the perseverance of the saints. Amen? I believe that God is able to keep those that are his. And even though sometimes we fail, he never fails. And his life in us, it's like that clay pot, just a normal clay pot. An earthen vessel contains the greatest treasure that all of life can ever find. The greatest treasure is not money. The greatest treasure is not love. It's not a relationship. It's not getting everything you think you want. It's not fame. It's not prestige and power. The greatest treasure is the life of God in you. Sealed to the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Born again. Regenerated. New life. Resurrection power available to you in Christ only. That's why Christ in us is the hope of glory. I don't know about y'all, but when I look at who he puts it in, He's not very choosy, amen? He'll put in anybody that will be willing to receive it. Because look around at us this morning. Do you think the world would think we're special? Do you think if we showed up at Washington, D.C., we'd impress them? <laughs> we might upset them. But on the world standard, it's just what I talked about this morning. God is not looking to call people who are noble, people who are wise and mighty. God's just looking for common people like us, crack pots, amen? You know these pots, I got to studying them, and Paul used the word that literally meant that these, these market, these, these people would get these pots and they'd be flawed, they'd have a crack, and they'd paint them, and they'd be sitting up there, they'd look real good on the outside, but when you brought them home and start putting water in them, guess what would happen? They'd leak because they had hidden cracks, I hate to tell you, but there's not a person in here that doesn't have a hidden crack if you get to looking at your life good enough. You get under the microscope of the Holy Spirit of God and let him do an MRI on you, there's a lot of cracks God sees, amen? And even though we're flawed, even though we're fragile, even though we're nothing but an earthen vessel, a, a clay pot, a crack pot even, God still loves us enough to put his very presence in us. And guess what keeps us going when we're hard-pressed, that presence? Guess what keeps us going when we're perplexed but we don't get in despair? The presence of God. Guess what keeps you going when you feel persecuted? The presence of God. Friend, the greatest thing God ever gave you is not your checking account. It's not your spouse. Even though that's something, amen, God, on if you're married, amen. <laughs> it's him. Christ in us. The life. But guess what? That life doesn't come easy. For that life to be able to make itself realized and known, sometimes you go through struggles. And you know when people see God in you and he gets glory? When they see you go through struggles and you still praise him. 
You still keep following him. You still keep saying he's God. He's Lord. You know how many people when things go wrong turn on God? But friends, listen. When things get tough and you still continue to follow him, that's an awesome, awesome manifestation of his presence in you. Now, how many of you would say, if there's been troubles I've went through, I don't think I'd have made it if it wasn't for God. We all know that. I don't like trouble. I hope I ain't got no trouble to come for a while. But guess what? I'm not going to have to go trouble, find trouble. Trouble's going to come find me soon. And when trouble comes, because of God, just like Paul said, a trouble came. A trouble, he said, that was a burden beyond measure that I despaired even of life. Why did God let that happen? So I would learn to trust in God and not in myself. Why? I'm going to show you this as we close. Look at what he says in chapter 3. Look at what he says in verse 4. This is what God's trying to teach us. How do you have this manifestation of the life of Christ made real in your life but just simply trust in God? with your problems, with your troubles. Look at what Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 3. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Notice, his trust in Christ was through Christ toward God. Not just God, but through Jesus. And listen to what he says. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Paul said, I've been taught, how? By troubles by being hard-pressed, by being persecuted, by being perplexed, by being struck down, but God keeps raising me back up. So what I've learned is through Christ, I can put my trust toward God, not that my sufficiency is in myself. Look at verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. You know what? If Jonathan keeps playing music to worship Jesus for the rest of his life, his sufficiency is not in his m- musical skills, although he's talented, although he has a gift. He, he's, he definitely has musical, God-given talents. But I'm going to tell you what, if he can remain to praise and sing and be a true worship leader, it'll be because he's learned to trust in God and not in Jonathan. Same with me, same with you. If you're going to be a godly parent, if you're going to be a godly whatever God's called you to do, you've got to learn that your sufficiency to do that is not in yourself but in God. So how does God do that? He lets things happen in your life that overwhelms you, that you can't handle. Guess what? Without Christ, when you get perplexed, you will get in despair. When you don't have Jesus and you're not letting him be what you trust and you're putting your trust in other things, money will let you down. Have you figured out yet that politicians will let you down? A lot of people's got their hope in Trump. <laughs> One day, God forbid, someone's going to be let down. Because there's nobody on earth you can trust, not even your parents, not even your spouse, when it comes down to it in the end. The only person that we could ever trust that can truly help us, that will never forsake us, that will always be with us is Jesus. And friends, listen to this. This is what he says right below that verse. Verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Look at this. Who also made us sufficient as ministers. 
Paul understood that God made me sufficient as a minister of the new covenant. It wasn't my knowledge of the letter of the law, my, my knowledge of truth. It was the Spirit that gives me the liberty to do that. Now I want to ask you this morning, when David stood before Goliath, do you think David had a chance to win on his own? <laughs> You may not understand this, but there's not a person in this room that ain't got a Goliath that you're dealing with. Because without Jesus, all problems are giant. And guess what God does because he loves us? He lets problems come into our life that make us pray. Now, how many of you would agree that you pray more when problems are around? When life is good and everything's going well, how many of you agree you'll coast? I ain't got to pray this morning. How many of you ever got so perplexed that you said, Lord, I got to hear something. I need to hear a word. I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. And you got serious about getting in the word of God. But how many of you would admit when everything's going smoothly and everything's going well, you tend to leave this up and look more at Fox? <laughs> Friends, you know what God does? Because he loves us. He lets things happen in our life that makes us have to trust him. And as we die to the sufficiency of ourselves. We die to believing in my flesh. I, desire, I die to Marvin and his ability. I learn to trust in his ability. As I give up on my sufficiency, I learn that the only way I can come out where I want to be is by his sufficiency. So I quit trusting in me. I die to self. I die to Marvin. You see, until Marvin dies in Jesus... Marvin can never live in Jesus, and neither can you. Without the cross, there's no resurrection. Without the death, without the crown, there's no glory. Friends, listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but suffering is an inescapable part of Christ's likeness in being a godly person. There's no godly person I've ever met that never suffered somewhere, somehow, and went through times of despair being perplexed. But guys, listen, the, tr the good thing is, it, is that in Jesus, he always leads us in triumph. He always gives us victory. I don't know about you. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know this is what Paul told me. Through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Paul said. Through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, you say, that don't sound fair. <laughs> Let me tell you what ain't fair. We ought to be going to hell. <laughs> we ought to be looking for condemnation. So you know what? Tribulation, condemnation. Which one would you rather? Because <laughs> listen, once we get through the tribulation, we're going to heaven. But until then, there is tribulation. But what did Jesus say? Be of good cheer. In this life, you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And in me, you can have peace. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but there's sometimes when everything's going wrong, but because you're right with Christ and you've been close to Christ, all hell's breaking loose around you, but you're just okay on the inside. Other times, because you wander from Jesus, you're not trusting Jesus. Everything is going wonderful, but you're miserable inside. You know what I found? The common denominator between joy, peace, and having Fulfillment and purpose in life is being right with Jesus. Being rightly connected to him. There's nothing that can take the place of his life in an old clay pot 
that becomes that treasure of his life being manifested in us. You know what the church can forget so easy? The church will never give us that. We can go to church every time the door opens. We can hear every sermon the preacher ever preaches, and they can be anointed good preaching. But if we're not spending time with Jesus, if we're not trusting in his sufficiency, we'll still find ourselves empty. And there's nothing more sad than an old, empty, broken clay pot, huh, brothers? But you know what's more surprising than anything? The world looks at us, and they look and they say, there's something in that old pot that I can't explain. It just keeps on keeping on. That's the life of Christ, amen, in us. What a blessing to know that Jesus is in our life. And there's nothing better than that when it gets down to the end, amen? Amen. Well, I tell you what, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you tonight that in Christ, that as we are here, Lord, I just feel we need to take time to allow you to work in our life if you need to. Lord, I'm Jonathan, I want you need to come up here and we need to just let you start playing something. Lord, tonight there may be someone who realizes that they're empty. It's there. You might not be having a place. Your treasure isn't where it should be. Maybe they want to come and maybe someone needs to come and pray and be saved. Maybe someone needs to come to the altar. But Father, as we take time to have an invitation to respond to what you spoke, Lord, we're all just earthen vessels in need of you. So Lord, I pray you'd fill each one of us. Lord, if there's anybody here tonight who is feeling, Lord, perplexed, I pray tonight you would help them. If there's someone who's hard-pressed, who's feeling like they're going to be crushed, that they would come to Christ tonight and trust him. Lord, there may be someone who feels persecuted by another person, being taken advantage of. I pray that you would not forsake them and you would help them. And so, Lord, as we take time for this time of response, Lord, I, they, they, there's probably somebody with this many that may need to come to an altar. But Lord, I pray that if there's one who needs to come tonight to be saved, to be forgiven, to repent, to turn back to you, that you'll bring that prodigal home, that you'll allow him to come and experience the joy of being filled with the greatest treasure of all, the life of Christ in him. Father, now do your work as we take time to stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to sing? caught up in your presence. If you need to come, come while